So, so I'm happy you brought up that point about being on the right side of history because while we started talking about the NBA and sports, the conversation is in the backdrop of Jacob Blake having been shot seven times by or shot at seven times by a police officer in the back. And um, in thinking about all that's taking place, it, uh, it's actually Peter Rosenberg. So it's funny that our most recent B-side, we discussed him. Um, but on the Michael K show, he they were taking calls, and, and it was him and uh, Chris Carlin who was filling in for Michael K and, and Don, who were out, um, were taking calls last week, uh, Thursday or Friday, so days after everything, uh, about the shooting. And people were trying to argue the specifics about the rumors that there was a knife in the car and there was a warrant for his arrest for sexual assault and this and that and wanting to get into the minutia. And Rosenberg pointed out that if you want to argue the details, you're missing the point, which the point is, is that this keeps happening because it's part of a system, right? It's part of a system that has been designed to oppress black people. And he brought up an interesting point that I want to talk about, about history, which is Nothing will change until we amend or abolish the 13th Amendment. And if you think about it, the 13th Amendment was monumental because it abolished slavery. Except for the carve out, which any good lawyer would do right in terms of leaving a way in to get what you want without making it seem that way. Right. And so the carve out is. Slavery and indentured servitude are abolished except for punishment for a crime. And all that did was prop up Jim Crow and the systemic oppression of black people because that became the excuse or your ability to continue to enslave or subject black people to indentured servitude. And so if we start to criminalize things like being black we can then continue to enslave black people or if we bring drugs to black communities Mm -hmm. as the u.s government and then send cops to now arrest those same folks that we gave the drugs to and not just gave them to but took the money from to fund our initiatives right so it's not even just like we gave them to them as like entrapment we gave them to them to entrap them, but we also took the money back to then go run our wars for us. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? To go fund our wars for us, then it's like <laughs> it's not even like they didn't not not play active, documented roles. Besides the ones that we from the community just know that it doesn't need to be Cointel Pro, right? Like just you know, we can just be from the community, and the local cops aren't that smart. They just they just do dumb shit because that's because of the point that you literally just made. It's a way to 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 re-enslave us. But he he had made, just to piggyback off of your point, I, I had heard him last week as well. He had made another point, which I thought, like, somebody called and they said, like, it's unfortunate what's happening to this officer because his record is spotless. And he's like, I forget how the caller phrased it, but he's like, He's like a goody two shoes. If you just look at him, you're like, he doesn't have a bad bone in his body. And I, and you know, in the little research that I've done, I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily look at this cop and look at him as vile. And his record is 
doesn't necessarily have a track record of bad behavior. But Rosenberg made the point that is essentially the point to the to the caller, mm-hmm. which is it's unfortunate if that is true, because what happens is, is he becomes a victim of our lack of addressing what is the major issue, right, of getting rid of bad cops and holding um, law enforcement accountable for bad actions in the past. Because then if we had done that in the past, we probably would have a system for, you know, for addressing it if we find that, you know, there wasn't any malice as opposed to like this was this is an unfortunate set of circumstances. You know, maybe you do two years or five years or whatever. And you might be able to say he he made a mistake as a made a mistake as opposed to you literally say that. Right. As opposed to what we've seen. You can't say it, right? Because you can't say anybody makes a mistake because you don't hold anybody accountable. So when does anybody ever make a mistake? Exactly. Right. And, And on top of that, he's still part of a system that mm-hmm. allows for these things to happen. So the fact that police have arrest quotas is problematic because it makes them go out looking for problems and creating problems where there are none. Right. The easiest thing for some to for a cop to get a person on is I gave you a lawful order. You disregarded it. You, you are. I'm now going to claim or charge you for disorderly conduct. And when I go to improperly arrest you, I can now charge you for resisting arrest. Right. And so I'm criminalizing something that shouldn't be criminal, especially when disorderly conduct requires that you disturb the peace and disturbing the peace doesn't include annoying the officers or disturbing their peace. You have to disturb the public. So if you're in a private encounter with police officers, cops don't make it seem that way. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, because if you're in a private encounter or semi private encounter with police officers and you're not disturbing the greater public. And you're just annoying or disturbing or et cetera, the police officers, that's not enough for disturbing the peace or disorderly conduct. Right. But the arrest quota thing is wild, right? Because. And they all claim they don't have it, by the way. And you just said they have to go out to find problems where as my first thought when you said that is as opposed to going out to figure out how to solve problems. Yeah. No. Right. Like that's what we should be looking for our law enforcement to do, which is just to solve the issue right How, like just to go about like it could just be being the mediator of heated of a heated confrontation is being like hey guys xyz xyz come on man i don't want to take anybody to jail i don't want to have to arrest anybody or give some like whatever it may be depending on obviously the situation but like there's none of that there's none of that the training is piss poor the thought process is piss poor it's very uncomfortable to live in new york and see um the leader of the police union out here mm-hmm. like he's straight up he's a straight up racist like he like when i when i look at guys with mindsets like that i'm like you're not you're not a problem solver for the community you're doing a job and you're being like the worst type of person like i always think this is what i think about people when i think they're like the worst type of people i always like to think you don't go home to kids and like a wife where they, they don't look at you like you're nuts. But if it's a culture, I would probably be uncomfortable watching how that family interacted with each other because it'd be like, yeah, you got them this time. And like, that's who you're going to turn into an adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think like I try my best with my kids to think about how my parents raised me and like where the mistakes were, how my parents raised me and where the good stuff was and, you know, do a mix of hodgepodging to try to, 
and, and also of the times, like being of the times and like learning from just how society is evolving and changing to not know who my kids could possibly be and want to account for that and not make them feel alienated, right? So like I'm trying to be, I guess the word is quote unquote progressive here. And you see these people who just have these steadfast, really archaic mindsets and ways of thinking that not, even, not only are just archaic, they just don't make sense as far as like the words that come out of their mouth and the lack of accountability when something goes wrong. Like the police didn't want to work because people were holding the police accountable. I'm like, you don't want to work because we're trying to to make sure you you do do your job better. Right. Exactly. I'm just like, so what type of fucking system do we have in place where you, you tell your employees? Yeah. You know, maybe we should look into this and try to do better. But if you know, but no, instead of doing that, let's just not go to work. And then they'll know how much they need us. And then they'll come crawling back. Like that's literally what their thought process is. And, and so know, it's you, a wacky place we live in. It really is, and, and so you made the point about them being held accountable, and and that officer uh, being a goody two shoes or, or not having any type of a, a record. Um, and while I I don't want to necessarily argue the details, I think what we've seen by not holding police officers accountable and by the the system behaving as if all black people are a threat. What it led to is in, in that officer's mind, he had no choice but to shoot. Whereas if you're looking at it, e- even talking about the split second decisions officers have to make, I feel like your natural instincts are not to go for your gun unless either you've been trained to do so uh, because we're all looked at as a threat or you have no training whatsoever or the training so piss poor that you're left to yeah and you're left to follow and see what everyone else is doing in in just looking at it i believe there was more than one officer on the scene they could have tackled him as he was reaching into car they could have slammed the car door on him but the officer pulled his gun almost immediately from what you could see going around the vehicle and so it's like his intent was i have no choice but to shoot right and and it's the same way you see like brianna taylor for instance the system allowed for that to happen. That's why those officers should be arrested because no knock warrants are nonsense. So especially how you think you could, somebody's busting into your house and not behave in a manner that could involve you protecting yourself. That's what I was just about then, to say. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. Especially in those states where you can defend your home with firearms. So I'm going to appear at someone's house at six o'clock in the morning or midnight when it's pitch black, I'm going to kick their door in and not expect that and not announce that I'm the police and not expect that the person might have a gun and is going to fire shots in defense of their home. And your training teaches you even when without a gun pulled to possibly have your gun drawn, let alone if somebody's trying to does have a gun pulled, it's just all possibly going to end bad. Right. And it's just like, I don't know, man, like the, the, the concept of the training of like, yeah. So, so you had said like, there's a, it's weird. It's, it, I hate playing Monday morning quarterback for these things, right? Like I really do, you know, but yeah, I had the same thought. Like, but, but I think why don't you y'all, can. Why don't y'all just, why don't y'all just tackle him? Why don't y'all just like do this or do that? Just do anything to like restrain him in a way because what i don't think they get in the training 
which I think is the most important thing is these people don't come back. Right? Like, and that's what I think, that's my first thought every time I hear one of these stories is that person is is just gone from whatever planet simulation we're living. Yeah, but when you don't not value back. our lives, doesn't matter. So whether you train, you're not going to train for that because th- what they're trained for and designed is, is that your life is is most valuable and you protect yourself at all costs. And you do so, especially when you're dealing with minorities. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that I, I got to believe that that's true is and whether they say oh, yeah, it outright, I, I believe I, be, is, yeah, I believe that's true the, right Absolutely. The, the bias like so that officer in Kenosha he had to he, I, I believe wholeheartedly that at best or at worst I'm not sure which way he has unco- unconscious bias towards black people oh, absolutely. And, and so Jacob Blake was more of a threat to him in his mind even subconsciously, because he's black. Same thing as with Mike Brown. Right. Mike Brown was not both black, black and a big figure physically, right, to whoever this cop was. So I'm like, you're the one who's trained to deal with both, like, you know, verbal, emotional, and physical conflict of, like, becoming to a scene randomly and then, like, well, this is what we do in this and this is what we're doing that. But, like, you're just on like threat just because the guy's bigger than, like that's just like these are just really silly positions that that positions to take when when the alternative is lights out mm-hmm. when when there's that no is when there's just no coming back you can't you can't press reset on the video game or some bullshit like that person is gone and all the things attached to that person are like thrown in like a blender Right. Like, I think I told you this once before, and I don't know if it was on the podcast, but, you know, I've I've never stopped being reflective of my serving jury duty. Because at the time that I served it, um, I was in my 20s or whatever. And, you know, I just thought, OK, like people just talk about jury duty so casually and just the thing that you want to avoid. Or whatever, because you just don't want to give your time up to it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And eventually it happened to me. And I'm like, I went instead, what I went wound up going through was just like all the cliches about jury duty, mm-hmm. not wanting to be there and la da da da. And it takes up your time and, and all that stuff. And there was one of my votes where like I voted to send somebody like indict somebody it's grand jury duty so to, to indict okay. somebody to like send them to actual trial or whatever that is you know better than i do and one i had no exposure to realize how much of a system it was right how mm-hmm. the lawyers worked with the cops and created their story and this is what we're gonna it was like a play i'm gonna say this you're gonna say that and when i say this you say that and when i like so they've already rehearsed this and all that stuff right so nobody like i don't think we as jurors necessarily think or are paying attention to that right we're just thinking we're watching something play out in real time and then after it's done i'll, I'll figure out what what side of the fence i'm on you know then eventually i realized that when i'm like well everything is in unison here all the fucking time like something's a little bit off about that and you can't just be everybody's fucking wrong one of the kids I had sent away to like um, go to trial. It wasn't until after where I realized, okay, no, now he needs a lawyer, right? Now he needs a lawyer. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know if he's got lawyer money. I don't. I mean, I know I don't even have. Like, if I needed a lawyer now, I'd go broke pretty quickly. Right, like for something extensive, I, I'd walk away from that thing maybe with my life and no money. Right. If I need a lawyer, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I have kids, so you know. Assuming my 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 wife is like coming to court every day, need somebody to watch the kids, right? Who's going to take my kids to school and pick my kids up, right? Like, who's going to, like, how long can I be away from work to handle this thing? I just have all these thoughts about, like, how participating in the act of going to court to prove you're innocent fucks up your life. We're Mm -hmm. not even talking about getting Mm -hmm. found guilty yet, right? Because somebody had made that statement at some point in time because we were stuck on something. And one of the guys had said, hey, guys, we're just voting to send them to trial. We're not finding them guilty or innocent. And I think that's when it clicked to me after, because I just kept thinking about being a grand jury and just all this stuff. I was like, yeah, but we're fucking, like their whole life is turned, it's like thrown into a tornado and figuring out how to participate in this thing we sent them to, right? Like everything I just said, kids, no kids, you know, if you're like, responsible for picking up your brother or your sister or whatever your responsibilities are how do you incorporate that into now having to go somewhere to defend yourself to be not to not be found guilty of something so that's why something like 90 to 95 percent of criminal cases plead out because there are all these countervailing interests that the defendant has to take into account and that really sucks, right? At the end of the day, that you have to think about all these other things when you're innocent. But it may take two years for the entire case to play out. And all of the things you just laid out about missing time from work, you probably lost your job because you got arrested and then you missed a couple of days of work and then they found out you got arrested. So they terminated you. And, and you think about getting back on your feet. And if you can get the opportunity to... Let's say you had a felony charge, but you pled down to a misdemeanor, which meant no jail time and you got probation. That means you get to be home with your kids as opposed to uh, a year or two of being in court once a month or, or more. And then on trial and the weight that that puts on your spouse and your family. And when you stop and look at it, the system is stacked against you. Right. If you get to that point where you've been indicted it's it stacked against you. And then that goes back to your point about the 13th Amendment, right? Especially with the lack of education as to how to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but Jess had watched one of these Netflix specials with the young lady that killed the man. Um, she was a prostitute and she was fearful for her life. And then she killed one of her Johns and she was in jail for, I think, 15 years. And <clears throat> the state had changed its law. She was a minor at the time. The state had changed its laws and and allowed people like Rihanna or somebody else to bring it back to the forefront. And then her court lawyers were able to bring it back to the forefront. And the the governor who was leaving, you know, added her to the list of people who who commuted the sentence and let Mm -hmm. free. And I bring that up to say, you know, at some point in the special that she said she was watching, you know, they were talking to to the young lady. And, you know, she said at some point that she didn't even understand what, was happening when she was being read her Miranda rights about just being quiet and not doing this. Like, you know, as somebody was rereading them back to her, she's apparently saying, Oh, that's what that means. Right. 
So, you know, that goes back to what you just said two seconds ago about like not even understanding the concept of like how to fight the system or get a lawyer or where the money's going to come from because they're attacking poor communities where they know they need to default on this. And the default is to plead out, Mm -hmm. right? Or the default looks like what that young man showed us on, you know, how is, what is it called? This is how they see us or how they view us. The Ava DuVernay piece. When they right? see us. Where, when they see us. Yeah. And one of the, one of the gentlemen who wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. Right. He just, he came apparently to the, to the jail looking for his friends right. and he was black and he was young. So they rounded him up amongst the other guys. And then he got so confused and, 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 you know, just worried about what was happening and what he was being asked that he just is like, yeah, okay, I'll say whatever you want to say. Just don't send me to jail. Mm -hmm. You're not even involved. Right. So if you're doing that to thousands and thousands to the point where in, in the special, the 13th, they show the graph of the change between Mm -hmm. I think 1970 to now of like the exponential growth of black and brown people in, um, criminal justice system and in jail it's ridiculous so you know it's just you said it best like it's stacked against us in so many ways that it's just like like i'm surprised we're not looking for revenge we're just looking for equality i get like like we like i'm surprised like people aren't just broken we're lucky ones right like you and i have a job and you know Mm -hmm. even if we become under stressful situations i think we're the type of people to lean on ourselves, believe in ourselves and lean on the folks that we know, know things in certain areas or have connections to put us in places. So like, I, I need help here. I, I'm about to go to court. The first person I'm calling is you, right? Like who, like you may not be a criminal justice lawyer, but you'd be like, let me connect you to, right? right? We're the lucky ones, man. Like thousands and thousands and thousands of folks who don't have those type of relationships just wind up saying, hey, it's me against the state of New York or the state of wherever. How am I supposed to beat the state? Okay. All right. All right. So what's the quickest way to get out of here? Okay. I'm not even going to jail. I'm just going to have a record. Fine. Give me the record. And then, oh, I can't get a job because of this record? I didn't even do that thing. Well, it's on your record. Like, how do you explain to us? I didn't even do it. They were just stressing me out so much. I didn't know what to do. So I just said, you know, I'll take the plea. That that made me think of, remind me of something I had said the other day to Dawn, which is part of changing the system is probation probably shouldn't be conditioned on you getting a job because it's extremely difficult for a felon to get a job. Right. Even being rehabilitated, uh, looking to be a productive member of the community. How many employers are hiring a convicted felon? That's a form of unconscious bias too, right? Right. We don't know anything. We just know that criminals, that that the country say of criminals are bad people. Well, guess part of why that is, is because though the system, it's called the Department of Corrections, there's no rehabilitation going on in prisons, right? Many of them have removed the education system that was in prison or the trades and and, and all they're doing is menial labor, uh, indentured servitude, right? They're making license plates and they're making cheap products for their states. And so what rehabilitation is taking place? And and even so everybody gets lumped in is you come out 
and you're reformed, you did your time, you want to be a productive member of society, but you're just looked at as a felon and as an irredeemable person. And so I, I don't know how we change the entire system. Part of, uh, I think we are seeing a shift. I'm, I'm hopeful that the engagement we're seeing, uh, and it, it's probably with baby boomers dying out and the levels of generations between us and above us and below us of more tolerant people, I'm hopeful, but I think there needs to be political change in, in terms of, for instance, <coughs> excuse me, I've come around to think I'm really close to advocating that the electoral college should be done away with because it would force at least presidential candidates and i think it would have a trickle down on the government to be more concerned about the country as a whole as opposed to pockets of the country right pennsylvania and ohio and iowa would no longer be more important than new york and i get it and i've talked about this before on the podcast the electoral college was created to avoid city centers having dominant power but it's been 200 plus years or whatever the number is. And the world in the United States has changed significantly since then. Right. And many New Yorkers don't vote because they go, New York's going to go Democrat and my vote doesn't matter. We should change the system to a place where it does matter and where the majority actually matters. And, and, and I've said it also is that part of what I think is problematic with our system is it's a democratic Republic. And so once you put your representatives into place, they don't necessarily have to represent your interests. Um, I think I'll give you the last word in, in, in this respect. I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are. Um, I think primarily because I think your study has allotted for you to maybe have somewhat of a more formulated opinion on, on this. But you had said earlier that the system has failed. And I believe the system had failed a while ago, but I was saying it very high level, which is, I think we live in a hyper capitalistic country and, 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 and world, but our country specifically. And because of hyper capitalism, there's, we've lost all perspective on reality. It's just like, well, where does the money move? And then just you know, as long as we keep the money moving, everything is okay. And an example of that is how the current stock market is not reflective of what's happening <sighs> in um, in American society to American citizens from the pandemic um, and health um, to global warming and the weather and the um, super storms that we've been seeing. And then, you know, to the biggest one of job loss, right? And unemployment, right? There's, there's, I think over 30 million people unemployed, but for some reason, and 30 million people unemployed, nobody's traveling, nobody's in stores buying anything comfortably. But for some reason, our stock market has recovered past the point of when the pandemic had started. And the country has not passed the point where the pandemic has started. So I understand the veil that is believing that you know, because money's moving, oh, everything must be okay. So 
I can get into that point some other time. But I'm curious to you to hear from you if you now are you know making the statement that you know our democracy has failed, which I believe it has. How what do you think it is necessary to get it back into working towards being effective again? So. First, let me say this. Um, I'm happy you brought up that market point. Kofi texted me earlier today and and said Tesla's up 1,100% for its 52-week high. The market's not. And my response was the market isn't real. It it can't be, right? It, It can't be that we're in the middle of a pandemic, that Tesla makes cars that are not widely driven compared to other car makers and somehow their stock is up 1100%. They're also in the business of, which would not bring their stock up 1100% of solar panels right? and solar energy. Sure. But it's very, it's very selective in where it works because I've tried to actually research doing their solar panels Mm -hmm. on my home. And this is the goal of Tesla. It's weird that you brought this up. I tried to research them and they told me, um, I have to fill out their form with my name and address and then to continue, I would have to give a $100 non-refundable deposit <laughs> for the consideration set of their solar services. But at the end of that sheet, that same page website I was on, it says, but we are currently not in your area. Our services are currently not located <laughs> in your area. We will let you know when we are, though. For $100. So that, for, that, for that $100. So so let me also say this, and I I think um, in you pointing out like my studies and and formulated opinions, I I think when we listen back and when people listen, you'll hear me struggle through certain things because a lot of things make sense in my head. And then when I try to explain them out, I, I get lost at times because I have so many things running through my mind about these various situations. Yes, I I agree with you. Our democracy has failed, and looking back, it failed from day one. Um, I, I saw the there's a Daily Show clip recently where they were going around asking um, people at Trump rallies or obvious Trump supporters, since Trump wants to make America great again, when was America last great? And one person said, at its founding. You know, it was the, the founding fathers are amazing what they came, the concept they came up with. And the person questioning said, except for the slavery thing. Right. And and how did they respond to that? Or um, America was great when Nixon was president, except for the drugs that were being flooded into the inner cities. It was the response from the interviewer and they standard dumbfounded and. The concept of America was great until capitalism entered immediately and became hypercapitalism because it became how do we make money and make the most money uh, with the least work? And it was to dehumanize black people and enslave them in order to make our money. And so we cannot turn back from that without correcting America's original sin, right? And part of that may be reparations because how do you counteract against 
the sins caused by money without spending money. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. Right. Otherwise. And That's so, a great point. I never looked at it. I never, I never looked at it in sentence that way. Without spending the money, because sometimes I look at reparations as a concept. And like, I, like, you want to give me money for the pain? Like, even when you hear, you know, money for pain inflicted, or you know, when I hear states pay off the 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 families of victims mm-hmm. of like, you know, people who were killed by state employees. Clearly, it's better than nothing. Right. But it's still conceptually like. It, that just shows that that just shows how much money that isn't valuable, at least in my mind, is like it still doesn't fix the well, issue. And not to say that it would ever. I, I don't think that's what you're saying. No, no. Right. It just I'm shows, not, but, you know, you know, it just shows how like how valuable and not valuable a thing is yeah. all at the same time. Well, well, that's because the same way I said the market isn't real. Money is fake. Right. right? And you've said this, like, look at the fact that through the pandemic, they, quote unquote, found money to fund a stimulus. They didn't find money. They printed it. Printed more money. Right. And and yeah, that's all they did. It's fake. And so So, I don't know what the answer is. So, yeah, to your point of the uh, how do you correct something that originally happened? due to the cause of money without money being a part of the correction, right? And the payment and the give back of money without being part of the correction. You know, I think it, I look at it as just symbolic, right? It would, to me, it kind of, in, in the symbolism of it, it looks like if you were to kowtow and kneel to me an apology, because that's how much I feel like the country values money, right? Mm-hmm is the giving back of reparations. It doesn't fix whatever the issue that you did that made me upset with you, but it it may show how seriously you're taking your infliction, especially if the money's right, because the money would have to be right. And there's no, there's no amount, but it would, it would have to be absorbent where it'd be like, okay, never thought I would hear that. Right. Whatever that was. Right. So, so, yeah, if the if if what it takes because we're here and I don't think we're, I don't think we're going anywhere, um, is for the country to kowtow in a way that's earnest, right? Like truly earnest, and they don't like one of the few things that the country believes in is is the dollar. Cut the check, man. I don't know. I don't know. But but I think it, what it may allow for is for a more equitable living arrangement, right? You wouldn't have, I think, as much neighborhood segregation, which leads to some of the issues. What's this black person doing in this white neighborhood, for instance, right? If there was more equity in terms of economics and and that might then allow for less prejudice around people because you're living side by side with like others. Right. Yeah. But then again, you know, Chris Rock has said um, that even a, a trailer park white person doesn't want to be me or doesn't want to be treated yeah. the way that he's treated. And he's a millionaire. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's so ingrained. Well, that's yeah, that's the conditioning. Right. Right. But, 
But but that's the thing. But, We're, it, the conditioning exists, and the reparations wouldn't get rid of that. And it would likely make... This is the, the good example, and we should wrap up from here, is it's been tried to an extent with affirmative action. And then what ends up happening is white people devalue black people's intelligence and ability because they just think you benefited from affirmative action. So in their mind, I didn't get into Columbia because I'm smart. I got into Columbia because I'm black. And and so in providing reparations, it wouldn't make them even if we're able to live more equal to them, it wouldn't make them respect us anymore because a poor white person would still look down on me in, in the way that Chris Rock talked about. So yeah, sure. I, I, ne- I would never look at it as a, as a switch to, to change something still within that generation that it was given. What it could be is sowing the seeds and planting the seeds for the growth of correction. Right. Like in, in generations to come, right? Like that would have to be money given and money invested in the community and housing and food and just areas and, and medical, right? just areas where just areas where the country has clearly just looked the other way with regards to thinking we have the same access. We're just not performing the same because we're dumb. And look, that, that's been the whole push around defunding the police. It's not to take the police budget to zero. It's to take away money to fund other programs like the ones you just mentioned that will provide for more benefit to society than having police. And the police. Right. Than having police officers respond to an EDP call, which is emotionally disturbed person because they're not Mm -hmm. trained or prepared to handle that situation. And that often escalates into something violent or problematic. Right. And it's to provide for being proactive around social services as opposed to reactive. But as you point out, the police union just looks at it as we're trying to get rid of the police. And so, you know what, we're going to make it easier for you by showing you what it looks like when we don't respond in a timely manner or when many of us take the day off and there aren't enough police to provide the services that are necessary. Whereas our police do not need military style weapons and armor and protection. It's just not necessary. It's weird that the country can't get its mind wrapped around the concept of wanting to not need law enforcement because you're running your society so well, right? Because you're educating, like there's always (laughs) bad apples. It's such a corny way to kind of (laughs) skate. There's always going to be bad people. No matter how good something is, somebody's just, somebody. it's just statistics. It's always going to be bad people. But if you create society in a way in which people feel valued and feel helped and assisted and, you know, seen and all the other things that just a human being needs in order to survive as a human being, which this country has more than the means. Like it's always weird to see the statistics of how we rank versus other countries and basic things when we're the richest com- country in, in the world, right? Like healthcare, we're like 20 something mm-hmm. education. We're like 30 something. It's like, how, so what are we running off of? Right. So, fake, you know, fakeness, fake, fake money, the, fake right. the yeah. market not being real. That's what we're running off of. 
So it's always weird to just think that the country itself can't see its citizens and know that that is where the value is, as opposed to the companies who who run across the ticker on the stock market. The value is in the people and making sure the people feel good about themselves. And how can we do that? Like, right? like how like how can we build homes and roads and provide internet to like it's parts of this country that just don't even know mm-hmm. like the internet exists, right? And provide internet and you know running water and clean water, Flint, Michigan, and all this other stuff too, you know, and not like frack where you know it's going to cause environmental da- damage to this place and that place because we want to just figure out a new way to make money out of, off of resources. If you value the people, everything else will fall into fucking place. And all the people, all the people, black, white, Asian, Indians, yeah, Native e- Americans, e- rather. Except the people right? who want to make the most money won't make the most money then because money. it's being shared more equitably. Right. So, and, and that's what ends up happening is, is that a smaller group has determined that they're deserving of more. And in order to obtain it, they have to oppress others. Yeah, and, and, and if it's always a competition where mm-hmm. it's a zero sum game, and we're all gonna die, it's really a zero sum game because we're all gonna die. Like right. it's really zero sum. Like that's not the race that I need to win. And even when I was competitive in life, at some point in time, I was like, okay, that has come and gone, and this is where the value is. Yeah. Like, the value is is building with my brothers, like with you guys. Right? Like I used to do everything solo, and this and that, and thing out. I can take on the world. It's like. Both, both one, you can't do it solo, and two, there is return to you by trying to do with others and bring others along. Like there's a communal return to you. So if we just conceptually grew that into the bigger picture of like other aspects of life, oh, what a wonderful world it would be. Anyway. It would be, but um, we got a long way to go, right? As far as we've come, we haven't come close to anything. Um, or far enough and i hope you're wrong that it, it won't be four generations from now um i hope we see it in our lifetime i, I, I hope i'm wrong too because i don't know if those generations will see it with global warming still happening that's true too. but that's just me being the terrible minded person that i am thinking about like all the worst ways things can happen but yeah no. i hope i'm wrong too trust me I mean, I, I don't I don't know that it's uh, maybe it is a coincidence. It's not that in the middle of a, a global, you know, a pandemic. So not to be redundant um, in the middle of a pandemic that we're seeing uh, this movement for social justice at this time and it feeling different. Right. And it feeling like more of the world is in tune to the plight of minorities in America. And maybe it's because of the pandemic that they didn't have the distractions. And that's where to full circle the conversation with no sports, um, with no blockbuster movies opening, run down the list of things with none of that, that the majority of the world had no choice but to pay attention. That became their focus. I don't want to say it became their entertainment, but that became like, but news in many ways, at least American news is entertainment because they sensationalize everything. And, and so maybe that's coincidence. Maybe it's not, but I'm at least hopeful um, that this is the beginning of the end 
when it comes to having to organize and partake in movements such as the ones we're seeing right now? Uh, to, from your mouth to whoever whoever's listening's ears, hopefully the audience and the spiritual beings that we don't see that are controlling the strings. Um, we ended up actual talking for like an hour 35, which I didn't expect. I oh, came yeah. in like... I thought it was longer, so I'm actually happy with that number, and then I'm sure we can figure out the cut. I came in thinking after. we'd talk like 45 minutes tops because I was like, I don't want to... Like, I want to talk about this, but I'm like tired. I don't, and, yeah, and, yeah, I'm tired and I don't want to talk about it. But once we started, it's like there's so much in yeah. in thinking through all of these things and trying to find the answers. And, and the hard thing is, is we shouldn't necessarily be the ones thinking up the answers, right? We're the ones suffering. We're the ones having been um, subject to these traumatic events. We're the ones who have to worry about am I next? We're the ones who have to think about our previous encounters with the police and how it could have ended very differently and, and being grateful that it hasn't, but also recognizing that our, our brothers and sisters have not been as fortunate. Um, and in us trying to do the work, also trying to live our lives to the best of our abilities is hard, man. It's really yeah. hard. Can't say it. I can't say it any better than that. That's exactly what I think as well um, about the entire situation. It's just it's so compounded on top of each other when when you solve for one thing and then you it's like oh, but if we do this, it means this, and if we do that, it means that, and it's just like yeah, it's just it's just more and more piles of shit just keep being thrown on top of it, and it's like well, we're trying to help and solve, but you guys just don't want to yeah. just want to make it easy. Anybody with regards to it, and that's a wrap. That is a wrap on another episode of Not Over Text Conversations Better Had in Person with your boys Carl and Sam. Thanks for listening. Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at notovertext at gmail.com and following us on Instagram at notovertext. The podcast is available on all major platforms that includes Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. Anywhere podcasts live, you'll find us there. Subscribe and give us five stars five stars and also leave us comments and we will read through your comments but only five star comments so if you have shade throw the shade and also <laughs> throw me five stars and if you're upset at sam for not reading your less than five star comment let us know about it by leaving us a voice memo using the anchor app awesome thanks for listening to another episode of not over text